All right, I'm going to get to the Trump polling, Trump-Biden polling. It's bad for Biden. That's the takeaway, but there's a lot more to it. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Uh, happy Monday, folks. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Uh, and you stayed away from downtown here in Las Vegas. The Life is Beautiful music festival going on, so things... Uh, even more jammed up than they normally are. Uh, I um, I got to tell you, the poll that I want to talk to you about right now here on the What's Right Show is the censorship poll put out by Real Clear Politics. So the poll basically uh, sought to determine whether censorship was a partisan issue. Let's break this down here, the highlights of it. None of this, by the way, ought to be surprising to any of us in the least. of Democrats say free speech should be legal only under certain circumstances. 34% of Dems say Americans have too much freedom. And 75% of Democrats say government has a responsibility to censor hateful social media posts. Well, that's the, that's the data. Now let's discuss it. The underlying issue here is that somehow we have made it a governmental responsibility in our brains. And I don't mean you and I, I not us. We get it. But I mean them. The others. They have decided to make this a governmental issue. The question of your feelings. That's right. Because under the guise of protecting your feelings, or his feelings, her feelings, its feelings, Z's feelings, whatever pronoun you choose to insert in there, uh, they want to be able to limit what you say. And that is, by the way, strictly and exclusively by design in order to uh, be able to limit opposing viewpoints. The left does not like competition. They do not want to be challenged, but they've packaged it and apparently they've sold it to their own voters as a uh, concept of, of, of uh, you know, accommodation and care and compassion and niceness. Now, when I was a kid, when you were young and you went to the teacher and you said, uh, Mrs. Smith, well, I'm just saying that whatever the teacher's name was he said mrs mrs smith well johnny over there called me an idiot and if mrs smith was well, anything like any of my teachers growing up she probably would have told you to um uh, uh to get over yourself mrs smith might have said something along the lines of and so what you're not an idiot it doesn't matter what johnny tells you Mrs. Smith might have told you something along the lines of also perhaps an old little rhyme. Sticks and stones can break your bones. Uh, You know, words can never hurt you. Or in the first person, right, words can never hurt me. You're supposed to recite that as a kid. You're taught this. I was taught this in elementary school. You were too. And somehow in a very short period of time, we've gotten to the point now where words are actually hurtful. 
What is amazing to me is that the party of so-called choice, choice, right? We have Democrats pro-choice. They can't choose for themselves to stay unoffended by what you say. They want bodily autonomy, and yet they somehow cannot keep your words off their body when that is completely and totally in one's own self-control. Now, it's part of the greater conversation about resilience, right? We just do not have the same amount of resilience that we once had in society. We are teaching and embracing fragility because, of course, those that are fragile and weak apparently are far more likely to vote for Democrats. So it's, uh, again, it's a, it's a designed, you know, structured thing here. A teacher is no longer teaching you to, to lick your wounds and get over yourself and ignore the taunts of a classmate. Instead, teaching you to internalize things and making it the responsibility of the system and of others to protect your innate fragility. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. And we're churning out a bunch of dim-witted soy people, right? Both men and women in this country ought to become stronger than they are. And here is perhaps the most frustrating finding from this poll. Again, Real Clear Politics uh, released a poll over the weekend about free speech and censorship. And one of the one of the things here that uh, struck uh, stuck out to me here: thirty-one uh, percent of all respondents which includes about 30-something Democrats, 30-something percent Democrats, 30-something percent Republicans, rest are other, independent and the like, only 31% strongly agreed with the statement, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Now, that is what the First Amendment is. That is, for example, what defenders of the First Amendment like ACLU once upon a time when they were actually a group of lawyers fighting for uh, increased civil liberties in this country. Uh, that's exactly the kind of approach that they had. They would represent truly despicable people who were whose free speech rights and civil liberties were being violated on the principles of supporting free speech. Example of that, of course, being the various Nazi, neo-Nazi, and KKK groups being represented by young, idealistic, and uh, you know, constitutionally-minded uh, Jewish-American lawyers. So I, you know, that we're we're in a in a spiral here, and this is where this is where right we have a fundamental problem in this country. Now, the fact of the matter is, is people don't realize that this is a means by which the government, again, is able to control speech, limit what we know, what we find out, what we discover. And using uh, the excuse of your, uh, what is this? What do they, how do they put it? Well, hateful, hate speech, right? The idea, right? The left clearly, 75% of registered Democrats responding in this poll want to censor hate speech and want to censor social media posts. They think it's important. And I know why, by the way. 
I'll tell you that they themselves, not just the government overlords, not just the politicians, but they themselves, when they engage on social media, these 20-something-year-old, you know, man-child, you know, have all sorts of opinions about how the world works. They go on there and they give an opinion. And along comes a conservative with facts, and they don't know how to respond to it because they were asleep in history class or Better yet, history class was replaced by some woke social justice crap. So they don't know anything about history. They can't come back with facts and logic. So what do they cry? They cry, that's right, hate. They call you a racist. They say what you're saying is hurtful in a means to try to get it taken down so they do not have to debate you. So that's... I'll tell you, this is the poll that is troubling. Now, to the Trump poll, obviously, the Democrats are in disarray over this. Make no mistake that there is uh, everybody with any kind of power inside the Democratic Party has been getting frantic phone calls or making frantic phone calls, uh, sending emails, text messages, and the like, asking people delicately what their opinion is on this. Uh, This is a, uh, by the way, ABC News poll. Funny enough... (laughs) ABC published this on their own website, the poll. And uh, a poll is 51 to 42, which is, I mean, in statistical terms and polling is a murder, okay? That's a slaughter, meaning Trump would would beat Biden 51 to 42. That's that's not within a margin of error, and it's significant. It's the greatest divide that we've seen so far. Now, how do you think they couched this on ABC News? Okay, here's the headline. Uh, Trump edges out Biden 51 to 42. Edges out, edges out Biden. That's all walloping. Edges out Biden. Is this, what is this? Is this just delusion or are they... Are they, are they all sitting around wondering the extent to which they can say anything critical? And let me answer that question when we come back because it'll figure prominently into the likely way that this all plays out leading into November of next year. All right, a quick break here. Got to take a profit time out. Forgive us, friends. It's what we have to do. Uh, Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, this hour of the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash injury law because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian reporting for duty. All right, this beautiful headline from ABC News, uh, the ABC uh, News Gov poll that they published here uh, over the weekend. Quote, unquote, Trump edges out Biden 51 to 42. Yeah, edges out, not quite the right word. Here's uh, the problem. According to this poll, on handling immigration at the U.S.-Mexico border, Biden's rating, this is mainstream media, Biden's rating is even lower with a 23% approval. 
Now measuring the intensity of sentiment, 20% approve of his work overall, while 45% strongly disapprove. And the 74% who say he's too old for a second term is up six percentage points since May. Uh, have you seen some of his gaffes? Have you seen some of his gaffes over the uh, over the weekend? I mean, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. But setting that aside for a moment, it's interesting to me that on a substantive issue such as immigration, which is obviously out of control, we had a Border Patrol agent beaten up by an illegal alien immigrant uh, sneaking across the border, beaten to a pulp. I played last week the video of uh, a chief in the Border Patrol uh, trying to build morale as troops, saying, hey, come on, guys, let's get our, let's get into it. Let's go do it. And the response of his team members is, are, are you kidding me, chief? We swore to protect the Constitution, defend the Constitution, defend the U.S., catch bad guys crossing into this country, and we're pre- prevented from doing so. All the guy can say is, ignore politics, you're here to do a mission. And the guy comes back with him saying, what mission? We're completely uh, prevented from doing that. So it's interesting that, I mean, what is this? I mean, you know, it's only 23, so what is that? 77% of Americans think that uh, Biden's doing a terrible job handling the border. I, I want to point something out about that. It doesn't say so in this document, but you remember that one of the first things that Biden did when the criticism came out that Kamala Harris was a lightweight. This is, we're rewinding the clock now two years. Uh, Kamala Harris was a lightweight. The stories came out that she was bullying staff in her office uh, there in the vice president's office and that people generally on the Biden side, on the presidential side in the West Wing didn't like her or her staff, that there were all sorts of problems. And Biden came out and said, okay, we're going to create, we're going to make Kamala Harris the borders are. We're going to give her that. And I think he did it without really consulting with Kamala Harris, to be perfectly blunt, because he knew what he was hanging around her neck, by the way, she knew it too, was a complete albatross. The agenda here from the get-go with this administration was to flood the country with illegal immigrants, to destroy Republican-friendly states and jurisdictions like Texas. I think that no one really anticipated how effective uh, Texas and Florida would be at shipping immigrants northward into places like uh, you know New York and, and elsewhere where, of course, they're creating all sorts of problems. So the problem, the immigration problem, is, not, is no longer confined to border states, Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, etc. It's, it's getting worse. And it's spreading around the country because there's no room for these people. There's so many coming across the border. And people have had enough of it. They understand that this is not good. But none of this matters to Democrats. None of it. And I think this is, I mean, this is like, this, the immigration policy, this is not Biden. This is the people that are running Biden. And the same people will be in charge if Biden decides to bow out tomorrow or if Biden, 
gosh forbid, drop dead, uh, you know, sometime before the end of his term. It's going to be the same people. If there's a Democrat president, it'll be the same internal structural structure of people plus minus a few. So that takes me to what does this mean? Well, I heard somewhere somebody opining. It wasn't just an opinion. They claimed to have inside knowledge. So, But I present it here with a grain of salt that one of the possible plans that they're contemplating is to have uh, Gavin Newsom out in California. Uh, they're going to ask Diane Feinstein, who was uh, from the Triassic period, they're going to have her step down. And, and Newsom, as the governor of California, would appoint Kamala Harris in uh, to fill her spot, send her back to the Senate, which is a major downgrade for Kamala Harris, right? So I, no, no promises on her taking that. I don't think she would take that deal. And then to sub in Newsom to run with Biden and to be there to take over in the second term, you know, provided the two can get it across the finish line. I, I, I don't. I'm throwing it out there so you know what people are talking about, and I, I'm, I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think Kamala is going to go that easy, but my point with this is, you know, to the extent that they try to saddle her with this unpopular border policy, I think they're pretty, pretty uh, successful, and I, I think that any connection that the voting public who don't follow this very often but kind of know in the back of their minds, I remember Kamala Harris was supposed to be in charge of this. If only – if 77 percent of respondents think that the way the border is being handled is terrible, which far and away exceeds and crosses over party lines, then Kamala Harris politically, just like you know Biden, is a dead person walking. These are the worst – let's put this into context. The numbers overall uh, – by the way, the economy, uh, you know, the 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 – People that are unhappy with Biden, this is the lowest for an incumbent uh, since ABC polls started. 37% approve of job performance, 56% disapprove. On the economy, only 30% approve. Again, 70% disapprove. This is huge. Absolutely huge. Excuse me, 64% uh, disapprove. The rest are undecided. So this, um, th th these are enormous negative numbers. They're towering. And typically when you figure out if somebody's an approval rating is the difference, the delta between the approve and disprove. So you're either, you know, you've got a greater, slightly greater edge on approval to disapprove. That's good. You can do that all day long. You can be 45 to 42, approve, and, and eke out an electoral win. I'm looking at these bar graphs. It's a disaster. The deficits are enormous. So the question then becomes what occurs with all this and what's the plan? I, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, I don't see an easy way out to replace Biden. He's not willing. He doesn't want to go. By the way, uh, let me point something else. DeSantis apparently is going to have a, a, a debate with, with Newsom. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. I'll give you some details on that next. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Folks, I just love our time together that we get Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. right here on the station. It's so great. Uh, all right, quick break. Be back in a moment. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, because you deserve 
lawyers that do what's right. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rajofsky here behind the What's Right show microphone. Uh, happy Monday, folks. Uh, this poll, it's not good. It's not good for Biden. But Sam, but Sam, consider polling. I, I do consider polling, and I understand, of course, that these things can be wildly off. I always run my, I'm always going to run a poll through my own gut check. And frankly, any poll that has Biden ahead of Trump, I, I just don't even believe it. I don't believe it. It's not polling real Americans. Well, it might be polling, you know, you and me, right? But it's not going, it's not going, it's not going into the heartland and the true real heart. I mean, I tell you, there is no way that a poll at this point would show uh Trump, uh, Biden, excuse me, ahead of uh, of Trump uh, over the weekend, because what is this? Seventy four percent say he's too old for a second term. That's a consistent number, by the way. It's been going and trending upward. Uh, that seventy four percent, by the way, is the highest, uh, and it's up six uh, percent since May. And that's because Biden continues to be an absolute gaff machine, and it's getting worse and worse. Now, this was uh, Saturday at a speech given by him at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation's annual legislative conference. So he is there supporting African-Americans, and there's a performance artist, uh, LL Cool J. And this is how Biden talks about him. Listen. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America— LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been. Biden has a history of calling black men boys. If Biden were a Republican, the press would give a crap. But they don't. He gets pass after pass. But it's starting to be very difficult to ignore it. You don't think that the African-American uh, community is paying attention to this at the same time that, you know, that, that Trump is turning into an urban legend? People are up in arms, by the way. Trump over the weekend went to a gun store. Did you see this? He goes to a gun store, uh, and he's, he's handling this nifty-looking Glock, and he says, oh, I, I want to buy this. I want to buy this. And a spokesperson later uh, says and confirms that Trump indeed did purchase the gun, and the you know the predictable outcry from the media is this is a guy who's been arrested four times. Four times Trump has been arrested, and he's buying a gun. This is everything that's wrong with America. Never mind that that portion of the federal law has been struck down by courts and is being. Uh, it's currently uh, it's currently been struck down. It's might get appealed up to the circuits in the federal, uh, excuse me, the Supreme Court, but 
Uh, he's not violating the law. Uh, and the other funny thing, of course, a number of people stating the obvious is, well, guy's been arrested four times. He's buying a gun. Looks like somebody's locking up the urban vote. <laughs> <laughs> the more they come at him with their horse crap criticisms, it's almost like they're building him up. All Trump has to do, and he will not listen to me. Trust me on this. He'll, he'll find a way to mess it up. But all Trump has to do is keep doing what he's doing, not say anything too crazy, and let them be the irrational crazy people. Let Biden be the gaff-prone moron with, you know, verbal diarrhea coming out uh, every day. Let him be the clown. You know, Trump, all he has to do is just sit back and enjoy the show. So anyway, you'd think that this poll would catch people's uh, attention. The ladies at The View, of course, are in for the rescue for Joe Biden. Uh, They don't think that this is a problem. Robbie, can you believe this? It's insanity. Here's uh, earlier today what uh, transpired uh, and goes down as a excuse for, I guess, some sort of journalistic discourse. I don't know uh, what happened with this ABC poll. I don't know if the people asking the questions were high or the people answering the questions <laughs> were high. But somebody has got to have been on some edibles or something else. Because, they, I mean, this, this poll is just, you know, off the charts. I'm happy to talk about polls and where people fall when I see that first trial. That's, oh. that, that's, I'm happy to talk about it then. Go but ahead. until then, nobody needs to be talking about how what? Biden Do is doing or anything like that. Actually, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, that was, by the way, the first person was Anna Navarro, who used to be a Republican and now has sold her soul to these old biddies. Uh, the second, of course, Sonny Hostin, uh, who's a complete idiot. I mean, lobotomized idiot. And Sonny, I, I, I can answer this. You're, you're, can I say your boy Biden? Your boy Biden is so bad at his job that people would literally, literally rather have as president someone who's been indicted four times. See, that's how, she's like, I'm, I can't wait to see the first trial and, you know, and then see how people feel about it. These trials are just free advertising for Trump rolling into the general election. That's what this is. So then Whoopi, of course, can't miss a beat and chimes in with her own very particular uh, style of stupidity. I think a lot of the problem, a lot of the messaging comes out of the news folks. You don't hear stuff that's going on. You don't hear, you hear, oh, this is dire straits. People need to feel that the economy is better. The economy is better. Two stronger years of Mm -hmm. job growth. Mm -hmm. But it's not enough to say it. People need to feel it. Um, okay. This is a messaging problem from the news. The news have been, the news haven't even turned on any negative spigot yet. Folks, I, I watch frankly more CNN than I do Fox News. I'm telling you, the negative stuff hasn't even started. They're protecting him. We discuss it day in and day out. If Whoopi thinks that the problem here is that the news has gone negative on Biden and is going soft on Trump, I she's I, 
Helen Keller would have a better take on the situation. And then Navarro goes, the people need to feel that the economy is better. Hey, Anna, you think the economy is great because you're making a lot of money and you're living the life. But the rest of us, maybe, just maybe, are worse off now than they were at the end of 2020. And so we really don't care now I'm speaking on behalf of us. You know, we're ordinary Americans. We want what? Uh, you know, we'd like our retirement accounts to start flexing a little bit like they did under Trump. We sure like those gas prices under Trump. I have, I zoomed into California quick over the weekend and I uh, I about dropped dead seeing those gas prices. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's... So, but these people are detached from reality. They're making all this money. They... Oh, and by the way, they're they're getting paid by ABC. So they're they're slamming the ABC poll, the company that airs their show. It's perplexing. Now, I can't believe I'm going to say this because it's actually Hillary Clinton that's coming along that has a degree of common sense on all of this. Uh, Hillary Biden. I guess had a private meeting with 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 Joe. And she didn't necessarily according to people familiar with the event didn't necessarily tell him to get out and and go move to the Bahamas or to Belize or wherever there's no extradition treaty. No, her advice to him was to watch his 6 o'clock to be situationally aware in a political sense of a possible third party run. A source familiar with the White House meeting between Hillary Rodham Clinton and Joe Biden quoted it as her words being, it's pretty effing concerning. Knowing Hillary, she used the word. So, uh, and that's the real story here. Because it would take an... Do you know what kind of cheating it's going to take? for Democratic operatives in some of these states to even it out if you've got a third-party candidate. It's going to be a mess. So I, I'm telling you, it's it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So i got to take a... I'm against the clock again. I, I'm taking a quick break here, but this is... This is interesting. So they, they get into it, and, and by the way, their, Buttigieg was on ABC's Sunday show uh, this week with Martha Raddatz. She asks him um, about the disconnect. And uh, it's just, all you get is blabbers from these people. It's, it's word salad. Which is exactly why it's uh, people are starting to see through it. And I'm telling you, ultimately... There is a real pain out there in the economy that people are feeling. And they are absolutely, they are absolutely uh, taking it out in these poll numbers. And and these elite, you know, left-wing journalists, the, the people in the administration, the, the well, truly wealthy, multimillionaire, uh, billionaire liberals that are always pushing their agenda on us, they're not feeling this pain. But we are. And it's starting to it's starting to translate into real into real anger. A quick break here. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by our friends at Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash 
one, two, three, four, because you deserve what's right. So Biden's terrible poll numbers and overall sentiment of the country is just a messaging problem. This according to uh, members of the Biden administration and the media writ large. Sam Arjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Martha Raddatz asked Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg why the Biden message isn't getting through. And this is after the polling numbers were, were released. And uh, uh, so this is what uh, Raddatz asked. And then let's have a gander. Have a listen to the response. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen acknowledged there is a disconnect. You are seeing the disconnect. I have heard this time and time again over the past few months, what President Biden has done. But the message is not getting through. And that message in a re-election campaign is vitally important. So mm. what do you do about that? Mm. It's a message. Oh, it's messaging. Got to get the messaging out. Well, this is what Pete Buttigieg says. It's all about results, Martha. When we go out on the road, uh, when we demonstrate, for example, how the president's agenda of investing in roads and bridges and railroad improvements and better airports and all the things that we're doing around the country, how that's actually uh, arriving in community after community, uh, you have a whole different kind of conversation. Now, there's a lot more work to do. The story of these investments, these efforts, and these results isn't going to tell itself, but that's exactly the work that we're doing. And we're an administration that isn't all about the polls. We recognize that if we get the results, uh, over time, people will come to appreciate that. But, uh, the results over time. They've been in office for what, since January of 21. So where are we now? We're at the end, essentially coming up into October of 24. I mean, I you know, we're coming up on to three years. So th- this is this is absurd. There's no results. You can you can you know you can call it whatever you want, but people are seeing through it, and that in spite of the fact that the media lies to them. It confirms something that I've suspected and I've told you about here extensively, uh, going back a better part of a year. I've said that mainstream media is less and less relevant as people begin to share memes and other funny videos of you know Biden or whoever about the economy to share their sentiments on social media. And I'm not talking about the you know the, the posts out there that are getting into the you know data and and numbers and or stating opinions. I'm just saying regular old people who are not you know kids and younger people who are who are not particularly politically savvy. They don't sit down and, and listen to a podcast or to a radio show like this one, for example. They, but they do spend time on TikTok. They spend time on, on Instagram and, and elsewhere. They, you know, maybe Twitter, and they see they see funny memes and they they fi- they learn about what's going on a complete end run around ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and and, um, and MSNBC. So what's written really at the end of the day in the Washington Post and the New York Times is irrelevant. Who the hell sits down and reads those newspapers? Well, a certain age group and above of, of diehard libs and people like me who 
need to read very carefully what the opposition is thinking. But for the for the rest of us, I mean, this is this is this is going nowhere. Now, I'll tell you, I give you a contrast now between the completely un, unsubstantive substance lacking, and I'm making up words here as I go, lacking in substance responses, both from people like Whoopi Goldberg and Pete Buttigieg, who you've got to honestly put in the same category because they're essentially saying the same thing. And Matt Gates, who I have dismissed for a long time as a bit of a rabble rouser, is now making himself the face of principled conservatism in Congress. Now, I want to do this. I want to give this proper justice and carry it into the top of the hour because it's that important. Matt Gates on Sunday sat down yesterday, sat down with Maria Bartiromo, Fox News. Well, he didn't sit down with her. He, 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 he dropped in via satellite link. And Maria uh, Bartiromo, I, she came out mega combative. And she basically called Matt Gates an obstructor and the face of, you know, a, a Republican political, I shouldn't use these words, but I'm paraphrasing, Republican political suicide uh, over, over his obstinance uh, fighting, by the way, fighting, you know, the, the the you know the 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 republicans in the in the house management of the house and gates came out swinging he came out prepared and he was so eloquent and and precise in his language that i really want to dissect this here today so this is the first story. This is how it got kind of underway. I think we ought to fight on all fronts. I think the border is very important. And the best way for us to advance the Republican border policies is to pass the Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill, do that along with veterans, defense, ag, state and foreign ops. We'll have 73% of the discretionary uh, budget funded. And if, you know, the Department of Labor and Education have to shut down for a few days as we get their appropriations in line, uh, that's certainly not something that is, is uh, optimal, but I think it's better than continuing on the current path we are to America's financial ruin. This is uh, the example of line item spending votes, right? Single item spending. And single item spending is of paramount importance because what, what McCarthy wants to do, and frankly, this is what Democrats do when they're in power. Nancy Pelosi didn't do it any differently, is Wait till the last minute when the when you know the budget has a hole in it, and you need to increase the government credit card, bring it up to the end, and then pass a big bloated omnibus, which is a straight up down vote on what is proposed. And what Gates is saying here is let's let's vote for the things that we want and and turn down the stuff or or push down the road the stuff that we don't agree on. This is very important. Now Bartiromo comes back and goes, but there's all these there's all these victories, there's all these Republican victories, and 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 on multiple occasions, Matt Gates goes, well, what are they? And Bartiromo said, well, we got Biden investigations, we got the Biden investigations, and uh, and and, and he kind of goes through that in a few different ways, and this, for example, I'll give you this. 
Yeah, we don't put our pencils down in the investigation of President Biden during a shutdown, so the premise is false. Second, if Kevin McCarthy was actually serious about pursuing the Bidens, he would have sent Hunter Biden a subpoena by now. That's how you know this is sort of failure theater that you're observing. During the first year of Democrat control of the Congress, they brought in Donald Trump Jr. three times over nothing. Yeah, and, and, and nobody remembers that. Now Republicans are slow playing this potentially. But here's the real here's the real takeaway. You gotta push back on these budgets. There's a time and place for it, and it's now. And Gates and others are doing it. And it's forcing the speaker's hand because he's actually gonna start making some changes here and, uh, and apparently bring some things to vote here this week, line item by line item, which is exactly what we need. All right, more on this when we return. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law will continue in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings and welcome to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Here on News Talk 840 KXNT, Sam Marjofsky here, local attorney, prognosticator, political, well, I don't want to say savant, but here and there I know a thing or two, an all-around good guy reporting for duty. Uh, I have a question, by the way, for all those pundits out there who are uh, looking at Biden's poll numbers and are saying, hey, 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 just wait just wait until Trump goes on trial. We'll look at poll numbers there. We'll see if uh, Trump still has the advantage. And I want to make a point here that, well, let me make the quick point and let me explain why. Is it more likely that the MAGA people out there are going to say, okay, yeah, you know what? Now that I've seen a couple weeks of this trial televised down there in Fulton County, Georgia, now that I've seen that, boy, you know what? You know what? He's guilty. You're right. You got me. I'm done with Trump. Or alternatively, is it more likely that independents are going to start to think that he's been persecuted a little bit? So I, th- I think it's the, the second one, okay? I, I just do. I know that. I will bet money on it. And the reason for this is that it, these poll numbers here are post-indictment poll numbers. We are not going to find out anything in these trials that we don't already know or already think we know. The stink is out there. It's almost like they've dropped these four bombs on Trump and he is still out there. Well, not just walking, he's running. Literally, for office and successfully. He's now the front runner. He is beating literally the guy who is trying to put him into prison. It's unbelievable. If somebody came to me to produce a movie based on the script 10 years ago, I would laugh them out of the building. Nobody would, nobody, this is, this is absurd. It is a completely absurd story. It's it's um, so, but, but again, that's the thing. It's 
completely wishful thinking for liberal pundits out there, left-wing pundits, who goes, well, you know what, just wait for the trials to start. The trials are going to, that's what's really going to air everything out. By the way, why are you not hearing, speaking of trials, why are you not hearing anything in the media about Carrie Lake's trial? Why are you not hearing anything uh, in the media about, let's say, uh, I you know, mentioned all the time, uh, the California State Bar trial of John Eastman? By the way, that trial is set to wrap uh, October 6th. That includes all the rebuttals and sir rebuttals and everything so i you know they're they want to get it all done it's a bench trial uh john eastman of course is a one of trump's lead attorneys in the aftermath of the 2020 election and he ended up he's one of the co-defendants also in fulton county but in that trial in, his, in as he's defending himself against the california state bar and their efforts to take his law license an enormous amount of evidence was was offered up showing that he was very much giving sound advice to his client. And not only that, that there was actual evidence, articulable evidence of election fraud. None of that ever made it in the mainstream media. Trust me, if he was getting his rear end handed to him and he and his people were falling flat on their face day in and day out, it would have made the mainstream media reporting. But they're not covering it. Shameful. Now, the narrative that's out there, and I, it's, it's funny enough because I looked at ABC's website. Uh, I looked at ABC's website uh, on my, you know, just right before I went on air, so this is about an hour and 15 minutes ago. And I didn't on the homepage, on the ABC homepage, find anything, by the way, on this poll, right, that came out over the weekend that everybody you know, was dissecting yesterday on all the Sunday news shows. But I did find immediately a prominent article about the obstructionist Republicans that are going to cause a government shutdown. And here is something I'll tell you. I, I think, I think, I think, and I saw this back and forth yesterday with Maria Bartiromo, Fox, very hostile toward Matt Gates. And Matt Gates has gotten now, he's, he's pushed Speaker McCarthy over basically a threat to remove him from office, line item spending cuts. They're doing some votes on particular line items, starting to work on that, I believe, later this week. So here's, you know, Maria Bartiromo, and she keeps saying, why would you get in the way of all the victories, all the progress Republicans have made? And Gates is like, what progress? Tell me what progress we've made. Well, she says, you you formed committees. You guys have formed committees. And you're finally, you know, exposing, you know, the Bidens and everything. And and uh, and here's what Gates said uh, is spot on. And if this was turned into a commercial for the Republican Party, they would win time and time again. None of those things are deliverables. Those are steps in a process. Setting up a committee is an end unto itself only in Washington, D.C. The American people demand results. Hold on, I'll let you talk, Maria. These these committees have done nothing to reduce inflation. They've done nothing to actually constrain the Biden government. We can set up committees and have hearings and yell at people, but at the end of the day, if we still send the check to fund a weaponized government, having a weaponization subcommittee is little relief to the American 
American people. And if any of this was serious, we would be sending out subpoenas and compelling process the way the January 6th committee did. We should yeah. be operating like them. Instead, we're playing patty cake with the Bidens. We're allowing Actually, them to get away with it. And we're yeah. funding it. And this is, by the way, right, all part of the conversation, and here's some back and forth on this, where Bartiromo thinks that Gates is blowing up these GOP wins. And that, that response, I wanted to start with the response because it's, it's so absolutely spot on. To push now to blow up all of the wins that you all have had now. Which seems- wins? Please enumerate that. Well, okay. Well, how about the fact that he has set up a weaponization committee to investigate the DOJ, whether they're involved in a cover-up? That's how about process. the fact that he has... Hold on. Wait how about the fact that he... Hold on. How about the fact that he has set up the China Select Committee to keep China to account? And, of course, he has launched this uh, inquiry into impeachment, potentially, for President Biden. Is that not what you want? You know, I don't have an ex-wife. If I did, I... Th- could imagine her sounding a little bit like Maria Bartiromo. Uh, that voice, oh, yeah, ooh, boy, it, it goes through earwax, guarantee it. So th- th- this is blowing up winds. Y- you know, it's so funny to me. The Democrats are able to operate at such a high level when they're in power they get their agenda across. Why is it that Republicans can't? And the ultimate thing that I, I come back to uh, time and time again is that most Republicans do not believe in their uh, fiscal conservatism, in their constitutional conservatism. They don't actually support shutting down the border. That's the... That's the real truth here, right? That's that's the takeaway. They run on all this stuff. They whisper these sweet nothings into our ear every two and four and six years, depending on which race it is. And we Republicans are used to going, oh, yes, wonderful. Oh, yeah, the spending cuts, fix the deficit. Oh, yeah, uh, close the border, uh, right? And, and, and we're... We are like, we're like, what is it, Lucy in the football, okay? You know, we charge at the football, we're okay, okay. And then last minute, people like, rhinos like Speaker McCarthy yanked that football from out from under us. Uh-huh, well, yeah, producer Robbie's, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I know, I'm telling you, I, I think... I, I think that this is instinctively why so many Republicans then don't vote. When you when I hear my friend here on 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 the station, Alan Stock, talk about uh, all the Republicans that didn't vote in vet, well, they're dis, they're disenchanted. Okay, so you're going to vote for a Republican congresswoman or a Republican congressman? Okay, send him to D.C. and do what? Push buttons on behalf of a guy like uh, you know. Like like uh, like like McCarthy or Paul Ryan, no thanks. Not a least bit interested in any of that. So I'm you know I'm telling you I think uh, I I I think that Gates needs to win this fight and needs to do it for the sake of the party and needs to do it for the sake of the election itself because voting in more Republicans like Paul Ryan 
and, uh, and and Speaker McCarthy and others is not going to is not going to move the needle for uh, for for Republicans politically in the long run. Because if you're going to have Republicans that just keep voting for more spending and and go easy on on matters of principle, then you might as well just vote for Democrats. And Republican voters in those cases are going to stay home. And it will cost us not just the House, not just the Senate, but also the presidency. A quick break here. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. All right, the WGA strike, the writer's strike in Hollywood apparently has reached a tentative agreement. Uh, I don't particularly care about any of this. Uh, these these people are all uh, facing annihilation by AI in the near term. So this is just, uh, for me, a postponement of, of a reality that they no doubt will, will hit. And now that this is, uh, strike is over, now the studios are free basically to start firing these people one by one and replacing them with a free or almost free computer program. Unbelievable. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. By the way, the other strike to pay attention to is uh, the the auto workers. Uh, because, well, I guess Korean Jean-Pierre was asked if uh, Biden supports the auto workers. And he said 100% of the time, the, she said 100% of the time, the president's going to support uh, the UAW. And, you know, okay. I mean, they're demanding a 40% pay increase, 40% in a four-day work week. Okay, I, listen, I think that I, I'm fairly certain, uh, based on a perusal of, let's say, GM's finances, that that would be ruinous. Here's the other problem. Right? These auto manufacturers have all been told by the government to build cars we don't want. That's the elephant in the room, folks. The problem here is that <laughs> this is going to ruin them. First step, make them build cars that are really poor excuses for you know, great cars. Uh, you know, electric, don't have the range that Tesla's do don't have the charging stations that Tesla's do um, you know AOC even uh, basically admitting uh, in a weird answer on television that she uh, just I, I, I picked a Tesla because the ones that were available from GM or from Ford uh, did not uh, meet per- my performance needs I needed my car to drive from New York to to DC okay so these companies are being forced to build these cars and then in turn, right, they're going to suffer for it financially. There's no doubt. And then they're also going to be saddled with rising labor costs. And then what's going to happen? Then the next Democrat in office, a la Obama, is going to bail them out because they're going to go hat in hand and say, hey, we took the deal that you shoved down our throat with labor. Our labor costs went up. You put this on us. You put on these new uh, clean emission vehicle standards. You demanded that we go electric. Now you subsidize our failure. And at this point, how, how are we not a socialist country? It's flat out maddening. 
So Wednesday, by the way, we have the Republican debate in Simi Valley. Trump will be a no-show. Instead, he's going to speak to the auto workers. I think that's going to be very interesting. A number of people have come out and said they think that this counter-programming of Trump's is going to be effective. You know, I think now with the polling and the fact that he does, if anything, risen in the polls since the last debate, he is doing a complete end run around the Republican Party and relegating every other person to an also-ran. He is. He is. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, folks, I'm here, uh, I'm here delivering the, the God's honest truth, all right? It's clear from the polling, and, it, and, fr- and frankly now, I mean, it, people aren't even talking anymore about who else is running in the Republican race. I saw a thing about Yunkin. I know Alan thinks Yunkin might join. By the way, uh, Yunkin, explain this before, Yunkin is doing the same thing on the Republican side to a lesser extent than what, than, than what Newsom is doing on the Dem side. Youngkin is sitting it out and, and waiting to be, quote-unquote, recruited if something were to happen to Trump. All right, that's the, that's the, that's, that's the scoop, okay? And, I, I, and it could, you know, a lot of, a lot of variables are out there. I, don't, I, I really don't have that crystal ball I always joke about. I, I wish I did, of course. Uh, but I understand, right, that, that Trump is of a certain age and could certainly, you know, have a stroke and keel over. Um, you know, a lot of things could happen. Uh, but, 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 I mean, the, the stuff that is sort of out there and that we're already aware of is all baked into the equation. So barring a health concern, a meteor, some revelation that we don't know, based on what we've got here, all the indictments, everything is baked into the cake – and Trump is by far and away the leading candidate, and he's going in strong. So, you know, and, and by the way, I sort of feel like he's already been a pretty heavily vetted person. So it would have to be something, uh, just, I don't want to speculate. It just could be something that is recent that, it, you know, is, would come to light and that would break the bond between Trump and his supporters, which is really something, no matter how hard they try, it's maximally true that only Trump can break that bond himself, which is why none of this, none of these revelations are, are moving the MAGA needle at all, or are moving the Republican needle at all. And so Yunkin, yeah, Yunkin, I mean, he's, he's out there, certainly, and he could uh, be a better, more folksy, more affable character than uh, DeSantis. But as I mentioned last week, DeSantis, of course, I think shot himself in the foot running this early, and he could have and ought to have played his cards exactly the same way, exactly the same way as uh, as Newsom did. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, you know, you know, he he didn't he didn't, and he he got himself. I, I think a lot of big money donors said, "We're gonna back you. We're gonna get you across the finish line," and he kind of bought his, got high on his own supply. And this happens in politics, so he jumped the shark. Now, I want to point out one other thing kind of relevant to all this. Newsom, okay, Newsom, I, well, what I wanted to get to, right, Newsom's, and, and, and where is this? I have it here in my stack. Newsom and, and, uh, and, and uh, DeSantis are going to have a debate November 30th on Fox News. It's going to be moderated by Sean Hannity. This was announced today. 
So, I don't know where it's going to be. It's going to be location to be determined, but it'll be in Georgia. And it'll air at 9 p.m. Eastern, so 6 p.m. Pacific on Fox News Hannity. I'll make a prediction about this. I... uh, I I I think that this is not going to go great for for DeSantis. Uh, I, I just he's he's got to find his mojo between now and then. I mean, I really want nothing more than for DeSantis to obliterate, uh, to uh, to obliterate uh, Newsom. I don't I don't know if it's going to happen, folks. It's tough. Newsom's Newsom's slick, and I we saw him on Hannity. What it was it two months ago? And it was uh, he just he 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 really just uh, Hannity let him get away with stuff. We'll see. Of course, we'll follow this very closely as we get closer to it. All right, Trump on Wednesday. UAW workers. More on that when we come back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talking Forty KXNT. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Uh, you know who's going to have to recover here for a little bit is Bob Menendez, a senator from New Jersey. Uh, major allegations here, a big uh, federal uh, corruption indictment, kind of par for the course for the Democrat, 69 years old. His wife also charged along with him as a co-defendant, Nadine Menendez, who is 56 years old. Uh, you've seen the pictures, uh, cash Gold bars, a Mercedes-Benz convertible paid for by apparently or allegedly somebody who is uh, looking to curry favor from the senator. Uh, there was apparently – I saw some allegation of a no-show job. Um, look, <laughs> he skated on this before, and I, I want to – I, I want to point something out is that there's been a change in federal law as a consequence of the Supreme Court stepping in that has really narrowed the bribery definition, that the the money has to be connected to the exercise of that person's official power. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Joe Biden gets money through his son and then uses the office of the vice presidency to insist that Ukraine fire a top prosecutor and condition that firing on receiving federal funds that he's there to deliver or give to Ukraine. Uh, this is back when he's vice president. Uh, and, and that would be an exercise of his official function, right? So that would, you know, that's a pretty clear-cut bribery case if you can get the facts all in there and have the evidence to back it up. The case here under for against Menendez may be a little bit more difficult to prove because I guess he he I guess he he advocated for some money that it was given to Egypt and then it helped some halal meat guy and back and forth. It I'm a lawyer and it seems convoluted to me. So I will just tell you once again 
uh, he might, you know, might might lose one of his nine lives here, which I don't know, maybe like number six or something. But he might skate on this. Who knows? It's New Jersey, so a lot can a lot can go down there. Now Tuesday tomorrow, Joe Biden has decided to join the auto workers in Detroit, Michigan. And Corrine Jean-Pierre was forced to vehemently deny that Biden is going to Michigan to beat John, uh, excuse me, <laughs> to beat Donald Trump there on, on Wednesday. Because Trump's going there to speak to the auto workers, in spite of the fact that the UAW president, Sean Fain, has uh, loudly and uh, quite in strong language uh, proclaimed that Trump is a persona non grata. Now, Okay. Okay. Let me explain uh, this to y'all. Trump is not going there to speak to the auto workers per se. Trump is going there to speak to the country about the situation. Mark my words when the dust settles. He's not going to say to them, I stand with you and I think you guys should only work four days and and uh, get a 40% pay, pay raise, which is what Biden's going to go there, probably call them all boys, boys and girls, <laughs> and then go blah, 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 and, and then walk off the, you know, the stage on the wrong, wrong side and fall on his face. That's what's going to happen. But nonetheless, Biden's approach will be to say, I'm with the workers. I'm going to, whatever they want, I give them. I'm the fairy godmother, because that's what the Democrats do. They, they're like fairy godmothers. And I give this to you and this to you and free and free and free. And it's all fine and dandy until as uh, the one and only Iron Lady Margaret Thatcher once said, socialism works great until you run out of other people's money. So that's what Biden's going to do. Trump's going to go down there and talk about these great car companies that are being burdened by all this horse crap that the Dems keep pushing on them i.e. the mandates, what is it, 2035? Robbie, is it 2035? A full electric mandate. So it's, yeah, I'm, look, I'm just saying it's, that's a, that's gonna, it's gonna be ruinous for these companies. I predict there's gonna be a lot of that in the speech. Yeah, 2035. See, I'm, I'm not always, I don't always have a head for numbers, but but I, I do remember that date because it's creeping up. Holy hell, it's 11 years away. <laughs> All electric. Uh, yeah, California keep, can't, can't keep its bloody lights on. Uh, you know, when the summer comes around and when it gets really hot in California, you know, like, I don't know, 85 degrees, they start having rolling blackouts. So this is... Um, uh, well, I'm just I, I I'm I think that this is going to be great programming, and I I don't I, I'm going to tune into the debate, of course, on Wednesday. I'm going to cover both of them. I'll I'll bring you everything you need to know, but I I'm just I'm I, I don't think I, I think we're in a completely different position now than we were, um, than we were. Gosh, I I don't know. Uh, uh the last debate when it rolled around, completely different position. Trump is resurgent. He's strong. He's in a in a in, in solid footing, and uh, you know I don't think it's you know I don't think it's it's uh, yeah I, I I don't think Trump's going to lose anything by not showing up. 
So, by the way, AOC, speaking of Menendez, the senator hit with corruption charges, AOC's come out to say that she thinks that he ought to resign. Now, I'm, I, I get it. Um, here, here's what she said. Let me play her comments. I'll comment on it after. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, as you know, has just been indicted on bribery charges. Should he resign? And what do you think of his statement that it has to do with him being a Latino? Mm. Well, you know, I think it's the situation is uh, quite unfortunate, but I do believe that it is in the best interest uh, for Senator Menendez to resign in this moment. Consistency matters. It shouldn't matter whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. The details in this indictment are extremely serious. And while, you know, as a Latina, there are absolutely (laughs) ways in which there is systemic bias, but I think what is here in this indictment is quite clear. And um, and I believe it is in the best interest to maintain the integrity of the seat. Listen, okay, listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a, sorry, had to press the button. That was AOC at a town hall when she lost control of the room. As a Latina, as a Latina, there are absolute ways that there is systematic bias um, Can I disagree again with AOC? I don't think he ought to resign. What are you talking about? I'm all about due process. Folks, I am, if anything, I'm very consistent here. Do I think that Menendez is a dirty bird? Yes. Is he a Democrat? Yes. But do I I trust the FBI and the DOJ to be absolute fact finders? Is an indictment in and of itself... Uh, a formal finding of guilt? It's not. Quite literally is not. Constitutionally, this is a part of a process. These are charges that have not been proven yet. So, no, he shouldn't resign. Absolutely not. And in fact, uh, you know, I mean, he he could very well run for re-election as this thing's going on. Let the voters decide this. So, uh, look, bribery is you know, a big a big deal. I don't condone it. But that's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying it's not a straightforward case. And I think AOC is losing some of her footing here. She's, it, it's all because the Dems have been screaming that Trump needs to drop out of the race. So now they can't turn around and say the obvious statement about one of their own party leaders you know, Menendez has been around a long time. He's a senior senator from New Jersey. The, the guy has some, you know, he's got some power. And they can't stand up for him because they realize they put him in a catch-22 with what they've demanded that Trump do, which is basically to not just drop out of the race, but, you know, commit ritualistic suicide on the spot. So, I look, this, um, by the way, AOC in the same interview, this was on CBS's Face the Nation uh you know he she, he does she gets asked about uh, voting uh, against McCarthy to, or voting with Gates to oust McCarthy. Um, an interesting answer here. Speaker McCarthy has been very weak. I think that he has also engaged in just absolutely terrible decision making for the American people from continuing to try to cement uh, denying the right to an abortion among women to policy that denies the reality of climate change Mm -hmm. to basic fiscal irresponsibility and recklessness. We are at the brink of a shutdown right now. And so there is grounds. um, However, 
we do not want um, chaos to reign in Washington either. So again, I think that is a, a bridge that we'd cross if we get to it. Um, that is something that the Democratic caucus would also have to come together on and decide how we want to navigate as a collective as well. Wait for Republicans to pounce on this and show that Gates is basically a traitor working with the Democrats to get rid of Speaker McCarthy. Look, the, Rep- the Dems are going to take an opportunity, any opportunity they can get to, you know, rest, rest control. Remember, um, there was actually a chance that, you know, with the voting the way it was going, that, uh, you know, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, even though they're in the minority or have, have a slim minority of the, of the seats in the House, could end up the Speaker of the House. And Gates and others said we'd rather have the Dems running this country into the ground than have Republicans doing the Democrats' bidding through bipartisanship and the same old rhino nonsense. I don't know how far I will go on that, but I definitely believe that the risk to Speaker McCarthy is great. And I like I like the fact that a few brave Republicans are holding him accountable. This is exactly how it ought to be. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue in just a moment. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. All right, friends, I got to make sense of this Nevada caucus issue uh, for you. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. So over the weekend, the Republican Party here in Nevada voted uh, in favor of holding the caucuses, uh, a caucus, I should say. Uh, So this uh, this will be, I believe, February 8th is the date and time or date that this uh, uh, would run. Now, look, um, let me back up here for a second and say this. Because there's going to be an election, a state-run primary election February 6th, two days before the caucus, this is terribly confusing. And the What's Right show here, folks, we're a common-sense program. And I, Sam Rajovsky, as Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, likes to keep things real. I want, well, I'll tell you this. There's going to be two elections for the Republican Party, now the, uh, for the Republican primary here in the state. And the, the there's a state law that says if there's more than two candidates, um, or if, it, excuse me, if at least two candidates are on the ballot, uh, the state and county governments must offer a presidential primary, an actual voting primary. So people are going to go to vote, and there also is going to be a caucus, but the caucus apparently is the one that's going to count, and potentially, right, the election will have different results. Now, I, I, my sense is that they're doing the caucus. It's a format that favors Trump. Trump has Im- already immediately come out and said that this is he's going to participate he has to pay, I think, a fair amount of money to uh, to the party in order to to take part. But I, this is a mess. So if somebody participates in the state Ryan primary, by the way, they're the, in the rules that were adopted Saturday, they're going to be barred from participating in the caucus. So it's it's basically a vote by the party to completely bounce on the state run primary. 
Now, the, the, reasons, the reasons for this that are given by Michael McDonald and others, who's the chairman of the Nevada GOP, is that we don't trust the elections here in the state. And, uh, and so, look, uh, you know, the Republicans are going to run this themselves and make sure they get the candidate that they, that they want. Uh, I think it's a mess, and I think it's, it's sloppy, and I think it's, it lacks some degree of discipline here. Uh, so a very small group of people made this decision. I, I'm going to follow how this, how, this, how this works. By the way, the Nye County GOP voted to have executive members sign NDAs, the Review Journal's reporting on this. So in a motion 23 to 11, uh, members there will have to sign an NDA or non-disclosure agreement not to discuss committee meetings and matters with the general public. I think that includes with members of the media. And I've, is it funny about this is I don't care how messed up the election here is. I, I, I'm pretty confident well, one way or other Trump is going – look, if the, if the primary was held today here in Nevada – uh, and it was a vote, I'm pretty certain that Trump would win it. So all this to just, it's also, well, I'll tell you the other thing, it's a money grab for the party. Because I can't remember, Producer Robbie, do we know exactly how much it costs to participate? I want to say it was around $80,000. Uh, $80,000. Uh, so maybe a little bit less. Regardless, it's a it's not an insignificant sum of money. So anybody who participates in the primary has to pay or has to in the caucus, excuse me, has to pay that money. So the party benefits, I suppose, to some extent, even though that likely gets eaten up by the cost of holding the caucus. So I I don't know. I don't know. We gotta get our stuff together here in Nevada as conservative Republicans and uh, this chaos and confusion that we seem to be able to uh, so so uh, adequately and uh, without limit uh, propagates fab- fabulous. Okay, so I'll follow this. I will follow this. All right, folks. I I tell you, there's a bit of other bit of polling. By the way, Senate tilting red, House blue for 2024. So this this is this is an interesting. We're so consumed by talk of what's going on with the presidency. Biden, Trump, Ramaswamy, you know, is there going to be a Yunkin, DeSantis, what's going on with DeSantis, that we've forgotten about the Senate, we've forgotten about the House. Now, remember, every single House seat is up for grabs. I don't know necessarily. I, I think that Democratic policies are so unpopular right now that I find it hard to believe that the House is tilting blue. It comes down to obviously individual districts and votes. You know, I could see a couple of, I could see a district here in in Nevada turning, quite honestly, a House district. But the 2024 Senate map is favorable to Republicans. Republicans are aggressively contesting, I think, eight Democratic held seats. Democrats sort of thinking the best case scenario, uh, you know, best case scenario, they could have Ted Cruz's seat in Texas in play. Um, but the the House Republicans, I guess, you know, the Democrats really only need to flip five uh, or net uh, a flip net of five seats next uh, next election. And there's there are eleven that are toss up. Seven are held by Republicans, four by Democrats. 
Well, it's a long, it's still a long way away. Uh, but this is, again, this is why a principled position on, on spending, for example, and on the border, for example, and on the FBI, you can't keep funding these people and saying, well, we're holding committees and conversations about this and you're not doing anything. If you continue to fund the problem, you're not exercising your power that you have as the, as the bill payer in the government. If Biden's doing crazy stuff, you go, that's great. Now we're going to, we'll, what we'll do is not pay for it. And that's, that's what Republicans, that's the power they need to flex. So apparently, you know, the way you look at it is, you know, House Republicans are facing a lot of exposure in these seats. I'm, I'm, I've got a meeting here in town this week with a guy coming in from D.C. who's got his finger on the pulse on all of this. I'm not going to name him, but yes, but I will, I will get to the bottom of it. I'll have more for you on Thursday. Thursday, we're going to have a hell of a show because it'll be the, uh, the debate, Republican debate the night before Trump uh, going over to the, a, giving his UAW worker speech and then uh, I'll have updates for you on this election. So, all right, folks, stay stay safe out there. Stay brave. Um, and uh, be careful on the roads. I tell you, just the other day, almost got taken out by somebody who made an illegal turn in front of me. Ah, if you get in an accident, don't forget, Sam and Ash, only outfit to call, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajovsky here, over now. out.